0: This Week in TV History now has its own podcast you can enjoy. This Week in TV History with Tony Figueroa on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Hi, this is Sally
1: Kellerman, and you are listening to TV Confidential. Aren't you lucky?
2: The game of life is hard to play. I'm
0: gonna lose. Ed Robertson with a reminder that Eric Roberts will join us at the top of the hour. We'll be able to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you're listening to a segment of This Week in TV History that originally aired in September 2012, in which Tony, Donna, and I take a look at the premiere of MASH in September 1972 and the impact that MASH went on to have on television I know we're jumping around, but as long, as long as we're on the subject of the final episode, we did a uh, we did a segment uh, a couple weeks ago with our friend Wes Hyatt on the highest-rated TV shows of the last 50 years. Obviously, MASH set the record. Yeah. In 1980, in March. Breaking
2: Who Shot Jr.
0: Breaking Who Shot Jr., which broke the record of The Fugitive, and um, I, I said this on the air. I'll say it again. In my opinion, it was the worst episode of the series because it went on about 90 minutes too long
1: wasn't the episode originally supposed to be a one hour closer
0: it was supposed to be a one hour closer and um they kept stretching it because and i understand why they stretched it because advertisers you know cbs knew this was a once in an uh, uh, opportunity you can charge a premium for advertisers and so the more the longer the show is more advertising you can charge so I, I I understand that but at the at the same time it was a very stretched out prolonged thing that they kind of undercut the main story of that episode which is Hawkeye's breakdown
2: yeah um, well, You had Hawkeye's breakdown and you had the war coming to an end I
0: know but 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 <laughs> uh, but to To get from A to Z, you had to have all these other sort of things, and like the the the, the storyline where Mulcahy loses his hearing, I thought was you know um, they, they could have done without that; it wouldn't wouldn't have hurt the show. But uh, but even with the overextended two and a half hour running, oh, oh I know they're originally going to run it um, eight to ten thirty, and then uh, someone and someone in the network says we we should end at eleven because it's a great. Lead in for the affiliates in the eleven o'clock news, and so, you know, that's what. So they 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 ran, they ran an episode of Alice from eight to eight thirty, and then the, from eight thirty to eleven, it was mashed, and so that's why that's why you have that odd two and a half yeah, hour. Yeah, that was unreal.
1: Length,
2: and then it, when they syndicated, they had to trim that, and and some of the. Uh, I
0: don't believe um, I, it actually, was part of the. I don't think it's part. But of they, the will, rerun they will. They uh, will
2: not not necessarily part of the uh, the rerun package. But they would use it sometimes, uh, like like one of the local Fox affiliates out here would do that you know to either you know that the show's coming back or the show's leaving, and then they would end the the run, you know, like if it stopped showing on that network like it, you know, right. or that they would they would get that movie to play to kind of mark that you know uh would their they, syndication deal with this channel is over, so they would have some sort of would they air milestone. it as
0: five episodes or would no,
2: they, they would usually air it as like a TV movie. Yeah, I know, But I, I they know. would cut it down to like two hours. So you might not see Colonel Potter saying goodbye to his horse yeah. or Father Mulcahy praying to God as to why, you know, why did he take away his hearing, you know, and, and so you had a lot of those moments were trimmed out when for FX, the interest of time. When FX ran it, and I, I believe FX would run it as a two and a half hour. They movie. would run it as a two T V Land would do that and and sometimes they would run the movie. As part of a marathon to start the first episode, right. and then after they would run the whole thing, then they would end with a two-hour movie, yeah. and they would usually uh, have a couple of the reunion shows. Yeah, the one that Shirley Long did, and and the other one that they did, uh, that Mike Farrell hosted. So they would they would put that. So it it does have some run uh, later on, uh, but also the uh, goodbye, farewell, amen. Was not the last thing they did the last there was an episode that they shot that was actually the last you know um, the time capsule episode
0: that's, okay. that's right yeah that's
2: right uh, that was actually the the last episode and and Alan Olda does talk about that with the archetypes of American television that you had all of this press in the sound stage, so this very poignant moment amongst them is interrupted because as soon as they said and cut then all the microphones <laughs> come out uh. Yeah, goodbye, farewell, amen. It was a, a nice episode for Alan Arbus, Sidney Freeman. The rest we can discuss. I think the biggest question about the final episode is, how come, like, BJ left on a motorcycle, Charles left on a garbage truck, Colonel Potter left on a... Sor- how did Hawkeye score a helicopter out of the 4077? Because he was the star of the show. He was yeah, the star exactly of the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and why was he the last to leave? Because he was <laughs> the star of the, of the show.
0: show. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Real quickly, Donna, you want to mention that the show itself, both the book and, and, and the show, is based on the experiences of actual Korean War, certain.
1: MASH personnel, people who actually did the meatball surgery, and many of the stories came out of that. there's some of the most poignant scenes or most uh, storylines in the series. Yeah. The uh, introduction of the African-American soldiers, way they were treated, the... Oh, the one. There's just so many. The one where they actually perform surgery, unnecessary surgery on uh, an officer. So he would leave. He was killing too many people. And I believe BJ was here. BJ said, no, I can't do that. Hawkeye, Hawkeye took
2: did. Out his appendix. And and you know, turn Bj had the lines that you just took care of a symptom; the disease continues. Right. But I think the uh, the one uh, the uh, the interview one where Father Mulcahy says, you know, on a cold winter day when uh, you know they cut into uh, the body, the steam rises, and to see the surgeon warm their hands on on an open wound, he said, "How can you how can you look at that and not be affected by it?" You know, that was actually a line from a, a, one of the chaplains that was at uh, one of the mashes in Korea. So they took you know actual quotes, lines, stories, anecdotes.:
1: and I think that brought the series, especially uh, the earlier seasons, really grounded them. It
2: did have its humanity
0: Well, no, it started off you know, as we said before, it started off as an extension of the Robert Altman movie, which is sort of a Marx Brothers approach, yeah, to I
2: think uh, there were elements of the Marx Brothers and elements of Animal House right before Animal House and
0: it was a politi- <laughs> it was a political satire slash madcap comedy about a horrible situation. Yeah. And then... Uh, and, as, and there
2: was the episode where Hawkeye's friend from Crab Apple Cove gets killed. Is that
0: is that sometimes you hear the sometimes bullet? Sometimes you
2: hear the bullet. And that was one where the network, I believe, posted, or was it Larry Gilbert said, what is this, a situation tragedy? Right. And, is it, and Larry Gilbert said, they're in wartime. You need that. You right. need to remind everyone that they're in wartime.
0: Right. McLean, one of McLean-Stevenson's best moments on the show. Rule number one Men die, rule, rule number one. Young six. men die. Yeah, Young yeah. yeah
2: die. And command school, yeah. Right. And doctors can't change. Right. Doctors rule can't one. change rule number one,
0: right? Mm-hmm.
2: And so all of these guys had their dramatic moments. All these guys who were incredibly funny had their moments and had, had some wonderful lines written for television. And they all got to have that point. You know, Even Radar got to be the smartest guy in the room once in a while.
0: The one, and again, this is just a me thing, when Radar left the series, Rather than bring in another character, they, they basically uh, recast from within by promoting Clinger. Clinger. Yeah. Now I understand. I understand behind the scenes. I mean, the show is what in its eighth year at the time. As, as the show is on longer, it becomes more costly because salaries go up mm-hmm. and this that, and the other thing. So yeah, it's probably cost efficient to promote Clinger rather than bring you in. Bring in. Now there actor. there
2: was some talk, and I just heard this recently that they wanted to make Sidney Friedman a regular after uh Gary Berghoff left. And he and Alan Arbitz did not want to, but he did uh he was uh, much more regular at the four oh seven seven yeah at, for, for a good hunk of the the the, the latter years. He yeah, would be and, making more visits, even if it was just for the poker game.
0: As was uh Edward Winter as, as Flag. Flag, Flag. Oh. Who, was, who who was sort of the closest thing that came to replacing Larry Linville.
2: Yeah. That was, that's a very, yeah, you would have him uh, come in and he would get more absurd. Right. And I would love to talk to people who were there that knew the Colonel Flagg yeah. and wondered, was he, could he have taken it further? Right. Were there people that were actually that, you know, I mean, as Colonel Flagg, when he's introduced to Charles, I thought that was one of the funniest interactions because, you know, everyone knew him, dealt with him, but Charles toyed with him. Like a cat toying with a, mice, a mouse who wanders into the house. <laughs> and, you know, before going for the kill, it's just going to play with it. Yeah. And that that was the whole run of the episode. Charles got to play with Colonel Flagg for the whole run of the episode and made him look like a total buffoon at the end and reveled in every moment of it.
0: Before we forget, we should mention Loretta Sweat and the evolution of Margaret
2: Hulehan from Hot Lips to Margaret from Hot Lips
0: to Margaret and uh, now they uh, I I know the episode the nurses which I think was a year four or year five show it's I mean I I think a lot of people consider that you know the real transition but there are moments in even in even in the first year there there are moments where uh, she uh, there's a nice dynamic between her and Trapper. Yeah. Yes. You know, um, they, they kind of looked out for each other a couple of times, and uh, and there were moments where she would let her hair down uh, mm-hmm. uh, with um, either Trapper and uh, with either Hawkeye and um, and BJ or Hawkeye and Trapper, and let them and by extension let the viewers know what she really thought of Frank Burns.
2: Yeah, there was something uh, when uh, she came back. Yeah, What don was you know. Then again, you know, D- Donald Penobscot is no Frank Burns. Right. So once in a while, it's like there was stuff. She she would speak, respectively, of Frank when Hawkeye was put in command and didn't know what the hell he was doing, and was just uh, just frustrated with the job. And she said, "Well, if only Frank Burns could see you now." <laughs> <laughs> Remember, so, she she
1: was portraying a woman in this man's army. Right. And imagine you know, back in the fifties that must it must have been a tough position, especially she is trying to be she's trying to be in the army. Right. She is trying to be the disciplinarian and until Colonel Potter
2: showed up, she was the only person who was regular army right because everyone else was Army reserve. they were brought in, or as b j said, I think he said, misplaced civilian and then when Colonel Potter came in, I mean that was another thing when they would replace cast members. They would always go for the opposite of what they had before. Right. Colonel Potter was regular army, faithful husband, disciplined, and and a, a, a true leader.
1: Yeah,
0: but at, mm-hmm. but at the same time, and, and, and a good leader in that mm-hmm. he knew what he had. And even though he was regular army and far more by the book than uh, Frank right. Burns was. He knew he
2: was in charge of civilians. Yes.
0: And so he would he he would let them do, he would give he would let them do their job and at, and he and he didn't mind having a belt
2: he didn't have, mind having a belt but he didn't let anybody call him by the first name that's right everyone tried and never took right. <laughs> I think maybe Father Mokay he at certain points of sage advice could address him as Sherman right but other than that no he was always, always Colonel. Colonel and uh, you replace Wayne Rogers with Mike Farrell again. Uh, not a Lothario, uh, a dedicated family with a newborn baby. So you would, you know, same shoe size, same broad shoulders, but still. Uh, and then uh, BJ had twice uh, issues with the Fidelity Wagon. Right. Where Trapper had weekly issues right. with the Fidelity Wagon. But <laughs> Trapper didn't care. Trapper didn't <laughs> care. <laughs> right.
1: That's just the way it was.
2: <laughs> now, there is something also about Trapper. Trapper was a well defined character, a thoracic surgeon, a chest cutter. And you know which, what, what Charles would be primarily, and when the focus became less about the two of them, Hawkeye and Trapper became more about Hawkeye. Right. That was one of the reasons why Wayne Rogers decided to leave because there wasn't that focus on what his specialty was and what he could do. He right. was playing second fiddle to Alan Alda, and uh, it turned out he never signed his contract. <laughs> there was a few little legal wranglings. Uh, there and uh, he decided it, it was a shit. I wish they could have done an episode where at least he could have he, he could have said goodbye. Right. But, you know, that's just the way it goes. And the same thing with Larry Linville. Uh, Radar's goodbye, I thought, was very well done. Henry's goodbye is seriously that's television history. Mm-hmm. It's television mm-hmm. at, yeah, at its best. Radar, you know, planning a party and the party's interrupted by wounded. Right. You know, and, and that's how he departs. And, Hawkeye, and the teddy bear. And the teddy bear. Leaving the teddy bear behind and Hawkeye saluting him. Right. Which he only did on a couple occasions. He saluted uh, Radar when he got his purple heart, when he said goodbye. And I think uh, in the final episode, that was his gift to Colonel Potter.
0: You can enjoy Tony Figaro's standalone podcast this week in TV history. Apple Podcasts, wherever you find audio. Eric Roberts will join us. We come back. Eric Roberts. Oscar-nominated and three-time Golden Globe-nominated actor. Then we will play part two of our conversation with Emmy Award-winning writer-director Joseph Doherty. All that coming up. We come back for hour number two of TV Confidential. Stay with us. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk.